and welcome to the Battle College Podcast. This is podcast episode number 15, and it's recorded, what, February 4th, 2014. Uh, tonight, we have a, a special topic. I mean, I guess they're all a little special. Uh, they're but very special. They're very special. Each one is a snowflake. <laughs> this one is special not to me because I don't really care about this all that much, uh, but it's very special to a good friend of mine, uh, William Haddon, and our, also our guest, <laughs> We're going to introduce <laughs> What? Right. The good friend who they've never heard on this podcast before. Yes. Now introducing for the first time. So we're, we're anyway, talking... our special guest, our wait, special wait, guest wait, tonight. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to be talking about moving to a new... Am I special or not? <laughs> I think you're very special. So who's our guest? Anyway, our, our, our special guest is actually a... a I think he's very special. He's uh, He is not a... He's, he's not one of the, the normal kinds of people that we talk to um we're we're bringing in outside help for this one um this is a, a good friend of mine his name is william jordan um i probably we met him 17 years ago or so um way back in the old days when we still played amp guard and uh very quickly became fantastically good friends he's certainly the person i i think of as having the most influence on teaching me to fight and teaching me to you know, be able to do things on the battlefield. He's, he's um, had a lot of influence teaching me how to smack talk. Yes. Which is, oh my God, I failed. <laughs> I was about to say, which is really just terrible, terrible advertising. Um, but but Will has had some experience, has had some success teaching other people to smack talk. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I want to introduce a, a very good friend of ours, William Jordan. Hi, Will. Hey, guys. How have you been? And and William and Will Jordan has all, even played IFGS. He's played it a few times with us. So he's not even a total noob to IFGS either. No, he was an Avandarian general in the in the very first uh, price of bar game. Well, I think I think twice with y'all, and once before I did any other LARP in I would guess eighty three maybe. Wow, that might have been. I think that was year three maybe year two i think it started in 81 yeah i mean it, it might have been 84 but it was the year i graduated high school or no it wasn't it was a year or two before i graduated maybe 83 84 85 somewhere in that range long time ago and so you've been you've been larping a long time is what i hear that's true <laughs> and a good friend of yours used to be an avid ifgser sort of before me and and sort of at the same time that will was starting our friend dave brown Yes, that's true. Yep. Yep. Punch Shield. That's that's he was the big punch shield guy before pretty much anyone else was up here in Colorado, I felt. Still is. Yep. I mean in Amcar. <laughs> he's he's still the oldest punch shield guy. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we're going to sort of talk about a little bit what's been going on with us and IFGS lately, and then we'll get on to the topic, which is uh, moving to a new rules version, something that Will Jordan has been working on with, uh, with AmpGuard. So uh, Will, or Will Haddon, what has been going on with us and IFGS? Not a lot. We, uh, we're supposed to be ramping up for the season, but we're incredibly lazy and unmotivated and basically suffering from terminal ennui. Um, as far as writing goes, we have three writing projects in the work works. We have a sort of get the timeline, answer all the plot questions game called Triad, although that may change any moment now going. Um, we have a game we're working on for Karen Davis and um, 
Keith Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah. <laughs> Can't talk tonight. Keith Hopkins, um, which is currently called Last Gasp. Um, and then we are working on part two of the Bloodgate, of the Vineyards of Bloodgate um, bar games. Yep. But all of that is going very, very slowly and very, very poorly. So. Yep. Sanctioning, we've been doing some sanctioning. We've got some games of ours added to the SGL, the Sanctioned Game Library. Got a new website up uh, that uh, was uh, redone for us recently up on the IFGS website. And I've been sanctioning some small stuff here and there. Mostly your games, Will, I think. Um, <laughs> but just trying to, to get them through. But they're, you know, Sable Pass, there was a rewrite for AP and things like that. So yeah. we're sort of going through that. FRC? Oh, FRC, nothing. We've had nothing. Yeah. SSC, nothing. Production? Nothing. Nothing. Upcoming games? Nexus in March? Uh, it's supposed to be a Nexus in March. Um, and after that, we're hoping to do Bloodgate. And then uh, John Wisner is going to be running Sable Pass under AAP 6-2. Third weekend um, in May, I think. Third weekend in May up in Fort Collins. Yep. Um, oh, what about the fighter? Tell us real quickly. We uh, There was a fighter practice recently that you went to. <laughs> so, so... I did. So IFGS, as so AmpGuard, and Will can attest to this, mostly goes through the winter. People keep playing through the winter. People get out. But IFGS sort of dies down in the winter pretty poorly. And there was an indoor fighter practice up in Fort Collins that you went to, Will, that I did not because I was sick. How did it yeah. go? Um, not great. Um, I mean, so we had lots of novices, um, very excited, um, lots of swinging of foam and yelling and throwing of bodies about and um so that was all really good i mean it was there was a lot of enthusiasm which i thought was great um but we had almost no ability to capitalize on it i totally did not understand what i was i I thought i was going up for a an ifts fighter practice to which some people might be bringing novices but instead it was six veterans and 25 to 30 novices i mean people who had played one time or less um and uh, we didn't have any advertising materials. We had no pamphlets. We had no schedule. We had no business cards. We had, you know, I mean, it was. It, it hurts my soul to hear about that. Yeah. It sort it, of hurt our soul when we found out what this was. I, th- I think it was just a big surprise to everyone. Well, no, I think there were probably some people who understood what was going to happen, but I was certainly not one of them. Um, and, and that coming on the heels of having just run a bar game which we had made all of this novice content for, and we had novice packets, and we had how-to documents and everything, and we failed entirely to advertise it as a novice event and had no novices show up. So we are zero for two um, and just entirely sucking it up this year. So I'm, I'm upset about that. I, I, yeah. And I think we'll talk more about this in our next uh, podcast episode. Is that correct? In about two weeks? Three weeks Will we? with Dia? No, we're not talking about novices there. She's talking about <laughs> pansy ass PCs and oh, okay. how much co- how much coddling they don't deserve. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, well, let's get to the topic at hand. So, Will, uh, thanks for coming on. First of all, I, I really appreciate it. I, no, I know, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, and it's always good to talk to you guys. I, I know you're an old man, and you're up past your bedtime, and so I appreciate you, you know, forcing yourself to stay awake, and you know, it's it, it means hey. a lot to me. I live in Minnesota where we fight all winter, so, you know, i got to get a little rest so I can go out and deal with this weather. <laughs> so, do you consider AmpGuard a LARP, or what? What do you, how do you describe AmpGuard? Like, in what, what terminology do you use to describe AmpGuard? 
So we are a LARP. I describe us as such. And then I clarify that we're very fighty. <laughs> okay, um, it used some... to be something like, you know, I always heard this terminology. Sort of this was when I was, you know, sort of getting out of Amp Guard, where we were starting to call ourselves like a live-action foam combat sport. Live-action combat system. And no, there was only one person who used that particular was there? acronym. Yeah, okay. it was me. Okay. So there's lots of there's lots of people who hit the definitions and try and bounce around and get it exactly right. I use the word LARP because geek culture has won the culture war. People yeah, no know kidding. what a LARP is, and I want to I want to capitalize on on that, and I want to tell people truthfully what we are. Honestly, if you compare IFGS to AmpGuard to the movie Role Models, <laughs> neither of us is exactly role models, but Role Models is pretty well in between us, and either one of us has exactly as much right to claim the word LARP for being like Role Models. That's the best description of sort of, you know, LARPing in general and how we all fit together in this. We're big... taking we're taking Role Models as our as our gold standard. That's no, but the, I'm just saying that takeaway. I'm just saying that you know I always thought that AmpGuard and I have just were pretty far apart, and and that's the best way that I've ever heard of it been being sort of described. You know why sure. we're all in the same genre. Well, and from my from my point of view, Will, I don't necessarily think Role Models is the gold standard. It was kind of a stupid movie in some ways, <laughs> but it was a heartwarming movie. Definitely. Nobody nobody was like, oh, those guys are idiots. Everybody left with, oh, those kids are having fun. Or at least those if guys are no if, more if idiots that's the than impression, If that's the impression people have of LARPing, I can live with that. No problem. Sure. So at least as far as sort of advertising goes... It's it's worth calling everything a LARP. That's that's my view on it. And, I think and that's totally fair. yes, I try and clarify to people what end of the spectrum we're on because that does matter. But it only matters to people who've tried both edges of the spectrum. Well, and, tried and neither they don't know. I would even say that I would say that people who come into IFGS, the, the new kids who are excited and want to do stuff, most of them are would prefer there to be much more fighting than there is. So, I mean, I can, I, and, and I've certainly seen the other way in AmpCard, the new kids come in and they want there to be much more role-playing and characters than there are. So it definitely, I, I think your, your sort of model of them being on both ends pointing towards a middle is, is pretty apt. <clears throat> but anyway, um, so y you've, you've been involved in AmpCard for a fairly long time. Um, and AmpGuard is currently trying to switch from rules version 7 to rules version 8. Is that right? That's correct. Or at least there are some people who are trying to make that switch. Oh, I, I think it's fair to say AmpGuard is trying to do it. Um, we're governed by a, a, what we call a circle of monarchs, which is all of the, 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 the regional groups getting together and voting. And that body voted to authorize version 8 and has continued to vote to support it year after year. Fantastic. Now, we have rules on whether it'll pass or not, so it may not pass, but it is clearly true that we are trying to pass it. So the Circle of Monarchs, just to, to get into this a little bit more, <laughs> so it's basically made up of uh, the, the kings of each kingdom, is that correct? Which is like a regional group? That's correct. Okay, and then so do you – is this group – is it the main governing body that makes the decisions for the entire amp guard, you know, the, uh, every land? Do you how, – how does that sort of work? Just talk about that real quickly. So – there's lots of things that the independent uh, organizations decide for themselves. Unlike IFGS, which is a single uh, legal entity, 
AmpGuard is 15 legal entities tied together by contractual relationships. And I don't want to get real deep into this because it's a little esoteric. Sure. But the key is the contractual relationship mainly concerns the rules. Therefore, the only way we can change the rules is by everybody agreeing. Sure. Now, everybody's agreed to be governed by a 75% majority rather than insisting that they're only governed by a uh, 100% majority. But it does mean that we're going to have to pass this rules past 75%. Pretty heavily, we've yeah. Got, we've got 16 voting kingdoms now, so it would be uh, 12 of them will have to vote yes. And how All many right. people do you think there is in AmpGuard? Like how many people are, are, are active right now? So the last time someone did a reasonably reliable census, it's somewhere between 10 and 20,000. Wow. Um, but I say somewhat reliable, and then I give you a range of 10,000 so you understand <laughs> how reliable somewhat is. Yes. Okay, I so understand. when we, we started playing with you back in, what did we decide, 97? Is that when we were 97, playing? 97, yep. Yep, so AmpGuard was on version 6, um, rules version 6. And I, Will, when you started, what version of the rules were they on? Version 4. Version and 4. That was... That was uh, the very end of 98. Okay. So, sorry, I mean 88. 88. 88. Okay. So, went from version 4 to version, version 6, and then version 7 happened sort of right as I was leaving AmpGuard, maybe six, seven years ago. Is that about right? Yeah, that is yeah. about right. Okay. And then yeah, I'm, not even sure it was in, I'm not even sure it was fully uh, adopted. Adopted. Yeah, I can't remember. And then now version 8 is pretty, pretty quick after that. Just give us a little story about what happened and, and why moving to version 8 and how, you know, it felt like a fairly quick move from version 7. What was sort of the, the reasoning behind that? And just tell us the story about that a little bit. Well, I think the reason there was relatively short time before we started thinking about version 8 is a lot of the people who worked on version 7 realized at the end of that process that we'd sort of missed the chance to really rewrite the AmpGuard game around the way we play it now. Um, and uh, to be honest, we uh, AmpGuard is built with battle games as the core, and the previous system had a set number of lives per class, so that each class, uh, part of their power structure was built on how many lives they had, uh, and then a lot of downtime when you died. This inevitably resulted in new players watching old players play because the old oh, yeah, players sure. died more slowly and stood around more, and, and the, the new players died more quickly and stood around more watching. And the older um, players had more lives. They had more lives also. And those two things together meant that it just was not as fun and not as easy to attract newbies, um, especially when we have lots of exciting ideas that involve games with unlimited lives or life pools, uh, timed, uh, timed uh, victory conditions, uh, objective victory conditions. All of those things out there are hard when lives are a hard balancing factor. Right. So we wanted to clear that out and work, work refresh that. And then, of course, if you're going to redo rules significantly, class balance becomes an issue. And I think really that's been the biggest uh, the biggest issue so far is the uh, class balancing is it, 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 it's time consuming and hard and it's taken us a while to get there. I, I think we're pretty close now. 
So let's. I just want to get into this a little bit deeper. You sort of explained, you know, why you moved to version eight, but just to to dig in this a little deeper, and you, and you said something interesting here, which was you wanted to design the rules around the game that you play now. So you felt like, if I can, if I can understand what you're saying here, that maybe the rules version seven didn't completely fit the game that everyone was playing. They they worked. You shoehorned them, but they might not not have fit. Well, I think I think the the. Specifically, the people who worked hardest on version 7 felt like version 7 had maximized the potential of the traditional amp guard rules and had sort of perfected that as much as possible, but that there was a lot of potential if we were willing to move a little further from that. And I don't want to suggest we moved all that far. We kept the same classes. We kept the same rough roles for those classes. A ton of the same spells and abilities are in, but behind that, we changed a lot of the basics, which gave a lot better design space and basically opened up a whole new a whole new room of games to write. Right. And so, how did I guess in moving to version eight, how what were the main goals and and sort of how did you determine those goals? How did you was it just a bunch of people sitting around the fire who said, we're willing to work on this and here's how we think it should go? Or was there, were there surveys? Was there like, what, what was done? Well, to be honest, the initial part probably was a bunch of guys around the fire, although I wasn't there. Um, I just know that they brought to the Circle of Monarchs, which I chair, a proposal that directly said, here is what we want to do with, uh, with, with, with a version 8 rules change. Here's the kind of games we want to support. Here's the kind of things we want to tie down and keep together. Um, like we want to add no classes. We want to keep the same the same ten classes, um, and we want to keep the same uh, non-fighting rules. We don't want to change any of the the how, structure of how the organization works. We only want to change fighting rules. And we want to make games faster. We want to uh, reduce downtime. We want to support uh, a wide variety of, uh, of uh, objectives. And we want to remove life count, death count. Um, and then we want to balance the classes. So that was basically the proposal they presented. And at that point, I don't even think the committee um, and its reasonably visionary leader really knew what that would look like. They knew it sure. was possible to do that. They knew that that, that that was not only possible, but reasonable and, and worthwhile. And they sold it to the Circle of Monarchs as such. And I think, I think uh, you know, if I'm going to give, uh, if I'm gonna give uh, the leader of the committee uh, um, credit for being visionary, I'm also going to give credit to the, the Circle of Monarchs who voted yes for being reasonably visionary too. They heard his presentation and believed it was possible. Do you feel like it was a hard sell to the Circle of Monarchs? Or, so there's this rules committee that, that you're talking about, and there's a head of committee, and they're the ones that probably talked about it amongst a fire. Is that, let's go back and talk about that committee for a second. Was that an already pre-established committee, or was it just a group of friends that decided, hey, some change needs to be made? So it wasn't an especially hard sell, and the key is that the main writer of the, seven, of the version 7 rules was the head of the committee, and, and still is. Okay. Got it. Okay. So this is this is a well-known amp garter who's proven his chops on rules, who comes forward and says, "I think we can do better. Here's my plan for doing better. Here's the people I'd like to use to help me do better. Would you guys like to authorize it? 
with these parameters, which is a lot better than just saying, well, I think I can do this. It's a proven guy with a plan and parameters. That's way easier to go with than just, well, let's do, let's just fix things, which sure. I'm not saying that that's a wrong thing to say, but you see what I'm saying. Totally. And so do you think it was a, what kind of selling process was there to the populace as a whole? Did the, once the monarch said, yes, we want to do this, did they pretty much just tell their people, hey, we've already agreed on this. Let's start playtesting when it comes to sort of stakeholder buy-in. What, how'd that go? So the answer is that uh, once the monarchs voted by a simple majority to authorize the committee to go do this, the committee then has wide latitude to do it. Sure. And the circle of monarchs can shoot them down at any time. But because getting 16 guys from across the country to get together and vote to shoot them down isn't easy, they'd have to really screw up before uh, to get to get shut down instantly. Right. They do get reviewed every year since the committee's meeting anyway, or not the committee, but the Circle of Monarchs is meeting anyway. They vote on it yearly. But at that time, you can have a good a good presentation of uh, what's tra uh, transpired in the last year and vote on that. Now, selling it to the individuals, I think part of why that's been reasonably painless compared to what it could have been is the committee knew from the beginning that to get this right, we would need a long playtest period, plenty of time to clean things up, and they knew that the first versions would be relatively messy. So right. people who didn't want to playtest, there was no pressure to playtest. And the people who bought in early were the people who were thrilled about the idea of new rules for various reasons. Change pain is hard, but there's always people who are interested in it and want to try it. Some of them because they don't like existing. Some of them because they, they, they understand the mission and they see the, the possibilities. Some of them because they just like, like, like the people involved and many other reasons. Sure. But it still was a small, small percentage of the AmpGuard populace that was playtesting that first year. But when you set yourself a four-year playtest period, you can afford to have only a few people play testing in the beginning. And what what right. year are we on of that plan right now? So we're 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 in the we're in the the, the fourth year. Uh, sorry, third year. So it's it's four clans, but it's three years. So gotcha. it's three years in between four vote four four votes. Uh, we're in the third year. We will vote uh, in July of this year, and that'll be the first actual yes, no, accept or do not accept, and pres. Presumably the only. It, it's possible we could fa fail it and go on and vote on it again next year. Um, the Circle of Monarchs would have to make that decision, and I can't guess how they would feel if they were to vote no. At this point, our polling suggests that we're very close to 75%, so I think it's very likely if it doesn't pass this year that it will keep getting reviewed. But I think it's more likely it will pass this year. I, uh... so is, everyone, is everyone still playing mostly version 7 right now? So the answer is there are different enough uh, rules versions that there is definitely a preference being shown, and people who like 8 better are playing 8 a lot. Full-time okay. playtest is authorized, and um, a rough, a rough uh, survey that we did on, on our Facebook suggested that 
25 or 30 percent of all parks in the nation are playing exclusively v8 got it so i i remember about it maybe it was a year ago year and a half ago one of the members of the committee this is must have been when the rules the first year that the rules uh had been started it might it might have been the second year i can't remember uh came up to me and they asked actually asked me to look it over knowing that i was an ex-amp guarder and that uh, I played IFGS and that we were pretty role-play heavy to look over it for role-play, sort of any any suggestions I might have for role-playing. And um, I have to admit, I was pretty impressed that even that early on, I thought the rules were pretty solid. Um, maybe the polishing of the publication, the, the formatting and whatnot wasn't, and all of the magic wasn't in place at that point. But even early on, it seemed like you guys had a pretty solid system. And then when I looked at it recently, maybe a, a few months ago, it looks like it's been cleaned up quite a bit. But uh, substantial changes, I mean, there have been balance tweaks, but substantial changes haven't really been done from the core mechanics. Is that sort of the way you feel about it? or? Um, so I think within the first year, year and a half of the process, they got the, the, they got the main new ideas out. And there weren't too many new ideas, although one of the new ideas that I think uh, is fantastic and was a, was a huge upgrade for us, and it plays into to the role-playing side like you talked about, is they added an insubstantial mechanic where you can be seen but not affected by most things. It's sort of an obvious mechanic, but it makes assassins playable and fun because, yeah, if you can't sneak behind a tree, you can't sneak behind a tree, but you can go stand behind the opponent's team and wait for him to, 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 to ignore you. And yes, he can see you, but eventually he's going to be distracted by something else, and you're able to to, to fill your battlefield role. Um, so that was a that was the kind of substantial addition. We never had a mechanic like that. We had a lot of well, you're pretending to teleport, so they have to pretend not to see you. Oh yeah. And then we'd have arguments that well, you didn't pretend well enough. And I understand that that kind of role playing is an important part of good LARPing. But it is way easier if you make the 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 role playing simpler. Totally. Then you don't argue about who's doing it badly. Don't stress belief. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um. Hmm. So did you did you run into <clears throat> groups of people or individuals that were that sort of had power who just didn't want it because it was change. Uh, it is certainly true that we have, uh, even now, a fair number of people in power who don't like it, and a number of people who suggest that change pain is the reason. I'm not arrogant enough to say everyone likes it better, because that's certainly not true. I will say that around 80% of people who play it six or eight times like it better. Sure. Um, it, it's, it's enough better of a rule set that it convinces most people if they play through a little change pain. That doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that the people who are in power and opposed to it now are acting purely out of change pain. I think some of them aren't. I think some of them have reasons that I disagree with, but that are nonetheless legitimate for not liking it. Well, so here's a question. So what what do you think you can do to get around, as you call it, change pain? Because it, it's obvious that that is a big factor in any kind of 
rules switch over, you know, the, I'll never play this new D&D second edition. I, I'll die first. You know, like, what, what do you do to get around that? So the answer um, for us has been lots of playtesting and a well-known process that's been published for three mm. years now. Okay. Um, it's true that when we did our, hey, here's your final chance for the kingdom to get in deal breakers on a kingdom-by-kingdom -kingdom basis that they needed to get by the end of January of this year, there were some people who hadn't played much before that and were scrambling and were kicking back feedback that had been heard dozens of times before, literally, because it was the first time they tried to crack open the rules and understand them and play them. Sure. But even those people who waited till sort of the last minute knew it was coming. Right. And had known it for three years. And sure, they put it off, hoping it would go away and die on its own, or that <laughs> someone else would fix the problem, or that maybe it wouldn't be any good and they wouldn't have to worry about it. But as it's gone forward, people have sort of known the timelines. And again, I got to stress how much the, the, the large-scale playtesting mattered, because while Mike, Mike is right that a lot of the good ideas were there early, most of those good ideas have seen some revision. They're not, they don't work exactly like they were originally pictured. And tons of the balance has been revised through the playtesting. Sure. Um, you know, Warrior, which is one of our, our core classes, you know, everybody's got a Warrior, went from being the worst class up to the best class and now is more even because they kept revising it and trying to fit it into the exact niche but give it a power level that would be fun to play. Sure. And they didn't ever really want to take it out of the niche, but they also wanted to wanted to make it playable. Right. So uh, talk about that for a second. Um, in AmpGuard, in order to – you can also level up in classes just like you can in IFGS. Or not just like you can in IFGS. It's a little bit different. But it takes a substantial amount of time and devotion to get to the highest level in a class. That's Is that, is that correct in me saying that? Yeah, it takes a year of play. A year of play. So that means a year of pretty much coming out every single weekend and playing the same class. Correct? Yeah, that's about right. Okay. So were there anyone that – was there any resistance to people like thought maybe their class, the class that they had been spending a lot of time to level up, was getting nerfed or – you know, especially the magic classes, all four magic classes – or sorry, three magic classes went down in power. Is that correct? Four magic so classes. Yeah, what all happened four... to Bard? You guys don't have Bard rules yet, right? Oh no, we've got Bard. Bard is Bard is a great magic class, and it's the it's the first time we've we've put out a legitimate caster in armor class, and he's got good CC power. He's got armor and good weapons to be a to be a good fighter, and a good fighter with good CC um, is is a very a very powerful uh, piece to put out on the playing field. Um, okay, yeah, sorry about that. I was, I, I think I looked at the V8 playtest page and it didn't have bards yet. So Bard was one of the last classes to be finished, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but it's it's been finished for six months or eight months. Now. Okay, great. Okay. Um, but I know how the internet is. There's lots of old data out there. Anyway, right. people did mind seeing uh, their classes reduced in power, and of course, that's part of change pain. People always see, on reading their class, what was bad about it. 
and unless what is good about it is frankly broken, people don't see it. <laughs> um, sure. Now, with with a little experimenting, then they come to realize both sides of it, and that's why the play tests matter so much. Um, there are still people who are opposed because their classes got nerfed, but mostly that's not a major factor among people who've played it enough to follow it. A more interesting factor, given what, what Mike said about people investing a lot of time, is some of the archetypes aren't in the same class anymore. For example, the Druid class in Ampguard used to be a reasonably good point-and-click killer. Right. Not quite as good as Wizard, perhaps, but reasonably good. He is now not good at that at all. He is an exceptionally good enchanter and an exceptionally good self-enchanter, but he's not good at point-and-click killing. He's got a few CC spells, but that's it. So people who loved that set of spells and played Druid to play that set of spells... They lost it. ...feel like, well, I can't be the kind of class I wanted with the class I have. I... Now, this is not as serious as it might be, because while a year is a lot... It's only a lot for new players. If you've got two or three classes, then at least one of them is going to still have the archetype you like and still fit and still work. I, I think uh, IFGS, you know, just just talking about that for a second, could could fall into the same problem with Druid. For example, Druid is is a fairly good self enchanter and is a decent crowd controller, but is also a pretty good with point and click spells. Uh, they have you know their fire their firebolts and things like that, and you know that's something that I could see possibly going away in a version of the rules, depending on what what someone thought. I'm not <laughs> suggesting it should, but but I could see those types of changes coming to IFGS as well. So it's really interesting to hear that you guys went through that and that you actually reduced uh, that power level in that class that did you feel like was there a lot of people that sort of fought against that change that specific change so the reduction in power level for the casters um, was it was written in as something that was going to happen um, in version 7 and all earlier versions of our rule book casters were restricted to one per 10 players on a team for each of the casting classes and one of the goals that V8, the V8 committee announced from the very beginning was to remove those ratios so that new players could play the casters. You know, if you only get one wizard per 10 people and you've got a guy who's a six-level wizard and you've got a new player, that new player never gets to play it because the team needs the better player with the better skills and the better, the better abilities. Totally. And that's, that hurts retention. So most people see that and are happy with that. And on top of that, Wizard was so much more powerful than any other class that pretty much everybody knew they needed to get nerfed. And people are very willing to accept overall nerfing to fix that relative to what they would be if, if the balance wasn't quite so egregious. So you mentioned new players. And, and uh, is this set of rules better for new players? Did, did you guys care about that at all when you were designing that? Other than the the example that you just made, was that sort of on the forefront, or was it sort so, of was that absolute, a side note? That was one of their primary goals um, is to make make it better for new players. I talked about removing life count, death count, which is right. old, new players watch old players play. But another another place where they specifically tried to work on new players is uh, we went to what virtually every game in in, in the world does. And we now have a gradiated leveling scale. 
So your first level you get after five weeks, and your second one after seven more. Oh, right. Instead of it being 12 weeks for your first, 12 weeks for your second, 12 weeks for your third, in a straight linear progression. Um, and, in fact, it's a little quicker to level. I think it's 52 weeks instead of 60 weeks. But the main key is that you get your first few levels more quickly so that new players can immediately get out of that, boy, I've got almost no abilities. I'm really a new a new guy here who's who's, who's disadvantaged against everybody. Interesting. I, ha- I hadn't heard that about that you guys had changed the leveling curve. So, I mean, IFGS already sort of has that in their 10 leveling curve, but it's, it's interesting that AmpGuard went that way. Well, like I say, every game you'll play on pen and paper does that almost. I, I'm in a way surprised it took us as long, but it is, it is to make it easier on newbies. So for the older players, uh, you had a lot of people, including I'm sure yourself, that you're maxed out in every class. Is that is that correct? Or I'm close? maxed out in every class that I would roll. I, w- I would accept from a role playing standpoint. Okay. Does that count? So was there any discussion for the older players about adding in multi-classing or adding in like an advancement past sixth level? Because you only have a sixth level system. Did you guys talk about adding a seventh or an eighth level? Um, no. And in fact, uh, the committee. And the Circle of Monarchs were opposed to adding any more power levels. Um, because Ampgard's pretty fighty, there's already a significant advantage in being a veteran in that you've done phone combat and honed your, your physical skills over many years. We don't like having the ability curve take longer than a year because it's bad enough for a new player competing on a field full of veteran players. Right. Just because sure. of the, the physical. Makes a lot of sense. So <clears throat> you talked earlier about having a sort of a preset schedule and everyone sort of knowing in advance on how that was going to go. Um, and I want to talk about that in a second. But f- my first little question was about, um, did you guys play test all of the rules all at once? Or were there playtests of, you know, hey, can you guys playtest Druid? Or hey, can... was it the nature of this change that you had to do everything at once? Um, so the answer is they published uh, the non-casting classes before they published the casting classes. Okay. So there was some availability difference, but that's been done and gone now for... Two or three years, right. um, not not quite three years, but 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 two years plus. Okay, it's really a case of uh, groups have decided how to play test on their own since since pretty early in the process. Not the very beginning, like I said, the very beginning that wasn't the case. But for a long time now, it's been groups deciding how to play test on their own. Um, some of the online advice is that you should do it. At, by restricting everybody to low level first and then work your way into it. And I think that's pretty sound. We did that in the park I play in, and it seemed to work. But it's not required. I know plenty of places that started right away with play at your level, and they had some change pain, but then so did we. And I don't think the difference was very big between who had more. Sure. I can see that. So... I really appreciate all this. This is great information. And, and you know, as you know, IFGS, uh, we've talked, we've mentioned to you that we're sort of thinking, you know, that we might be moving forward into a new rule set here in the next few years as well. Is there any advice coming from just gone through this process or sort of being at the end of this process that you would give to another LARP about, about going through this? Is there anything lessons learned that you guys had sort of figured out, like, I wish we had done that? Um, so 
the one thing I wish we had done better, and it's it's hard, it's probably going to be hard for you all too, but there could have been some more time effort on it, is making sure that you frequently publish the process, not the results. The committee does a great job of publishing the results, but keeping people reminded that, okay, we're having our Circle of Monarchs meeting in three months. At that meeting, we are going to vote on whether we should continue the, 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 the rules process or not. It's going to require a majority vote to continue. Uh, we are going to make the final vote on this rules process a year from then so that you've really told people exactly where we are in the process, what the next steps are, and you're giving people what they need to know to go forward and make sense of it. Sure. Wonderful. Actually, I've got, I've got sort of a follow-up on that. Okay. Did you have any examples during the process of rules that you – like you were sure these were good rules. You were sure this was the way to go forward. Um but other people or even the majority of people just didn't agree with you? Um, well, again, as the executive, I wasn't writing any of the rules. I was playing them. I was studying them. I was I, – I had my opinion on them, right? I, I knew what I thought was good. Um, yeah. But there weren't very many things that I thought were great that the majority ended up hating. Um the the stuff that I thought was the stuff that I thought was passable playtesting proved I was wrong I mean I for example we had a we have a, added a, a undead minions where uh, healers and anti paladins can turn other players into their undead minions which okay. gives you some faster respawns at the expense of losing some of your own abilities. Um, so tactically there's some advantage to doing that, although there's some risks to doing it. Sure. And as it was originally written, I thought it was reasonably balanced and I played it once and didn't change my mind after playing it. Um, but playtesting elsewhere proved that it needed some more nerfing before we could roll it out. Um, and that happened, but it didn't go away. It's still a, a a key new ability that people are excited and, 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 and enjoy messing with. Um, and almost all the new abilities that came out sort of stuck and work like that. Um, the, the one that, the one that got the biggest makeover and I say that, but it's not a very big makeover in a lot of ways is we added a charge mechanic where you can reload an ability um, that wasn't something we commonly did before, uh, but it basically lets you use up your abilities and then still have something to do rather than you use up your abilities and then you run die so you can go back in. <laughs> right. Um, and what, uh, what the charge mechanic originally was is it originally had you repeat a chant that was a very simple chant uh, some large, large number of times. Right. Um, and the change is we went to a much more complex chant a smaller number of times. And yeah. it's because the complex chant does a better job of timekeeping. Ah, sure. The simple chant, people rushed through it, people lost track in it. It ended up short-counted much more often in playtest. 
Right. So in the end, they went to the more complex chant. And that's not a huge change, but it's certainly something that everybody thought worked well and that in the end got a pretty big, a pretty big change. Okay. Right. I have, I have one more question. And I think we can go on breaks. Does that sound good, Mike? Yeah, sounds great. Um, so my last question is, do you feel like AmpGuard has been benefited by what are basically fairly quick rules changes um, in that, you know, moving from four to five to six, six lasted a while, then seven, then eight. Do you think people have been more accepting of rules changes? Because it, it just... I'm I'm not hearing the kind of resistance that I feel like I have seen in other groups where rules have been proffered. Oh, well, again, I'm telling you why I think it's working. There's been plenty of resistance. I mean, I suppose in a sample size of of 20,000 though too, the everything gets evened out much more than, you know, a group of 20. No, I think you're I think you're definitely right about that and the change pain of one one big leader out of 20,000 is a lot less than the change pain of one big leader out of 20. Um, but the, the real key is we've had plenty of change pain. I mean, this thing could fail despite everything we've done. And it might. I mean, our polling suggests it might not. It probably won't. Um, it certainly suggests that way more than 50% of kingdoms like it. But 75 is a high bar. Sure. The, the the key is that, yeah, I, I, your question, I, I'm not quite sure why it's been successful, and certainly it could be the, the number of changes we've made, but I don't really think it is because the degree of those changes is so small. Okay. It, it's interesting. Until V8, all of the changes, I mean, I started it in four. And a player in four would recognize everything in seven except the bard class, who got a pretty big facelift. But everything else is very similar. So talk about change pain. It's you know when I looked at the, I went onto the amp card forums maybe a year and a half ago, and I looked at the front page of the the general forums, and I, it felt like you know maybe a fifth of the posts there, which were a lot, were sort of anti V8 or some sort of you know issue with V8, um, be there people pro pro or, or con against it. And I just just as a sort of a test, I just got on the amp card forums right now and I took a look, and you know in the first two pages, I don't really see anything that's clearly flaming V8. So it seems like you guys have done a good job over the process of of not just selling it, but there's there's a little bit of selling it, but also taking everyone's input and making sure that input was well integrated in the rules. Um, and, and I just want to congratulate you for that. Cause I was, I was a little worried when I first saw you start this process, you know, your group that I was wondering how, how it was going to end up. And it's nice to see that you're getting a little bit closer to seeing the end of the, the tunnel, the end of the light of the tunnel. Well, I certainly, I certainly hope we are. And it'll be interesting to see whether it passes the first year, whether it gets authorized to go to another year, if it fails at this point, I think, it, I think, I think it's close whether it passes or not. It's not close whether 50% of the kingdoms like it or not. So as as a an AmpGuard executive, I'm actually very worried about about it because if it fails, I'm going to be stuck with a set of rules that more than half my players like less than the other set of rules. That's a problem. And, and there's a lot of energy that could have been spent on other aspects of AmpGuard running events. Uh, you know, recruiting new players that you've been spending testing these rules that are sort of would be thrown out almost. Well, again, I'm not sure they're thrown out. That's for the Circle of Monarchs to decide. 
But I definitely would be, I would think it's unfortunate if we leave our meeting this year with a failure where, you know, 11 kingdoms vote yes and five kingdoms vote no. It clearly would fail if that happens. We're going to follow our rules, despite the, the conspiracy theories of some. But I would feel like I haven't done my job well because that means that a significant majority of my players would rather we had play, played a different set of rules. Great. Well, I think now we're going to take a little break. And uh, when we come back, we've got the five questions for Will and talk about a little bit more about him and his LARPing experience. So uh, stick around and we'll be right back with you. And we're back. And uh, we've got the five questions. And the five questions are the same five questions we ask all of our guests, except they're not the same five questions. They aren't. We're actually being nice. We're changing them slightly. Okay. So, so I guess I'll, ready for that. I'll start out Go with question it. number one. Will Jordan, uh, what is the best class? Paladin. <laughs> paladin. Why paladin? Because paladins are holy warriors who fight for the right. Okay, so I, I know you and, and, and how you play Amp Guard. This is not a power gaming response, is it? Is this a purely role-playing reason? <laughs> It really is. In in Ampguard 7-7, seven, seven, the most powerful class is Wizard, which I also play. Okay. Um, and in Ampguard V8, the power difference is small, and uh, I'm not prepared to say who's the most powerful right now. Interesting. Okay. So Paladin it is. Okay, Will, you got the next question. All right. What was your favorite LARP experience? Wow. That's a great <laughs> question, and I can't tell you. Uh I've got a zillion of them that are that are that are fantastic. I'm gonna say uh, my my first friend from LARPing uh, day tripping my, my my fourth belting from Austin to Colorado. That's oh. that's I'm gonna say that's the best one, but I'm not sure it is. Okay. I just know that that's that that's one I remember. This, this is an unfair question, Will, because for for those of you who are listening, uh -huh. if you want to know what fourth belting means. Post it on Facebook and we'll answer you. Oh yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, good, good response. I, I know it's not clear to y'all, but you, you ask a question, I gotta give an answer. No, 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 that's great. Yeah, so so my actual favorite LARP experience. We um, didn't ask you. We didn't ask me, but I'm gonna answer this anyway. <laughs> it actually because it has to do with William Jordan. It has Ooh. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it when he came for your fourth belt. No, no, no. It wasn't even my <laughs> my first and only amp card belt uh, night nighting that I had. Uh, my favorite LARP experience, other than probably my blanket boy encounter in Hawaii, where I tied a blanket around my neck and ran around the forest half naked. Other than that, it was probably uh, the creation of SKBC, Sword Night Boot Camp, with Will Jordan. Well, that All is right. the best. That is the best thing I've ever done in AmpGuard. I, I have to admit, you're that's probably it. And so one of these days, we're gonna have to have you and maybe Brennan and a few of the other people back on and talk a little bit about Sword Night Boot Camp and what it is and and why it's so important to me. And, and I'd like to talk a little bit why I think it could be important to IFGS as well. But We're going into year 12. Should we, should we start with a debate? Cause, uh, <laughs> we can. Because the, there are certain hosts of this show who think that you're trying to teach squirrels how to swim. I, I understand. Okay, anyways, third question. Will, go for it. Okay. If your favorite character in any RPG had to die, who would it be and how would you want him or her to go out? My favorite character in any RPG. 
Um, well, you know, Amcard's a little different. If Michael dies, that's me, back. and I'd like to die in my bed. How how fast does uh, <laughs> how fast does Michael come back now? Well, there are games where I come back in fifteen seconds. Oh, all right, okay. But um, that to me, that's sort of the same as not dying. So if Michael dies, it means Will Jordan dies, and Will Jordan knows that's going to happen to him sooner or later. But I'd rather do it in my bed, surrounded by a uh, my 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 loving family. Got it. Wonderful. So what is the you've, – you've played IFGS a few times. What is the one thing you wish you could change about IFGS? <laughs> I wish – I wish You can't you, say Izzy. No, no, no. <laughs> well, no. If I was going to change Izzy, I'd only change it back to AmpGuard. But no, really, in all truth – this is not a this is not a suggestion because it would not necessarily be better for IFGS. But if I was going to change something in IFGS, I'd use AmpGuard style swords so that I could play that game without being a danger to all and sundry. Oh, interesting. Okay, I have the same problem that sometimes I hit too hard too. So I, I understand. Mike and I, especially when we start hitting each other, things get faster. <laughs> a little bit more serious. <laughs> well, that's different because friends can be friends. But but again. I'd change the swords so that they were swords I'm good with, and then I could play and then have fun. Wonderful. Um, and finally, if you could get one person, fictional or real, to play on an IFGS team with you, who would it be and why? I'm never playing on an IFGS team that doesn't <laughs> include one of the two of you. Aww. Okay, so here's here's a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch this around a little bit and add a special sixth uh, question here, some extra credit. If you could get one person, fictional or real, to be on your amp guard company, to be in your amp guard company, who would it be and why? So an amp guard company, for those that are listening, they're groups of players that sort of fight together at these big wars, uh, and they always, you know, sort of hang out together. They camp together. They drink together. They tell stories. So, which one person would you want on in your amp guard company? That's a great question. Samuel Clemens. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm not sure I want anybody weirder than me in the company. Um, All right. So Izzy's out again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, been there, done that. Also, that's why y'all aren't on the list. Um, <laughs> well, thanks. Um, no, I think the answer is that... Uh, well, you know, I'm gonna say I, I'm I'm gonna say that uh, that uh, I want to put in a fictional guy. I've got all these great fictional ideas, um, but you know, reality is reality is more important to me. If I was gonna have a guy, uh, it would be an AmpGuard friend of mine, Dame Delos, and would only be because then our company merger would have been successful because the only way it could have happened. Okay. Great. I know that's a, a weak answer, but that's my answer. That's great. So uh, I just want to thank you for coming on and taking an hour out of your night. Uh, I know it's freezing cold up in Minnesota, and you're much more important things to do, like you know, talk on Facebook with your uh, moderator Paladin. Or... Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I want to thank you for taking the time out to come. Well, no, thank you, guys. I, I enjoyed it. I hope uh, there's something useful for the IFGS rules process in this discussion. And for me, it's just great fun to talk to you guys and you know hear about what other people are doing in LARPs. Um, 
I will have to think about what you guys could uh, share back the other way for us, because I know there's stuff we could learn, and I'm in a uh, unique position as, a, as sort of an AmpGuard executive that I could find something out. Wonderful. Well, anyone who's uh, interested in AmpGuard, I, I urge you to go out to their website. They've got a, a great website looking, looking really good these days. It's uh, www.ampguard.com. I'll put it in the uh, Facebook post when we post this, uh, post this episode. And also, if you're interested more about their version 8 um, rules sort of version, there's a group out on Facebook, and it's AmpGuard V8 Committee. Is that correct? Uh, it's called V8 Committee Chat. V8 Committee Chat. So if you want to and sort it's of tagged Amp Guard, but it's not titled Amp Guard. Okay. Do you guys have a lot of uh, like I could have had a V8 jokes? Uh, yes, like there that... are a lot of them. Okay, the vegetable thought... beverage jokes go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful. Well, thanks, thanks a lot, and um, yeah, I think that'll do it for tonight. So uh, thanks. everyone, thanks a lot, Will. We really appreciate it. Yep. No, thank you guys. I enjoyed it. And remember, fighters fight. Fighters fight.